In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today we read the scripture from the Gospel of St. Luke, which speaks about the paralyzed man, whom his four friends, uh, seeing Christ uh, in the house, wanted to bring him into the house for healing. But they were not able to enter the house because there was too large a crowd, and so they went up to the roof and they lowered him from the top. And when Christ first saw this man, the first thing he says to him, he says, when he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. And all of the people were amazed, um, but they questioned him and they said, well, who is this man who can forgive sins? And only after this that he healed the man physically and he took up his mat and he went his way. So what Christ is teaching us here with this example is that the most important thing is the spiritual healing more than the physical healing. Because even though they brought the man to him in order for him to be healed physically, Christ did not do this initially. He did not heal the man physically. He healed the man spiritually. And even healing the man spiritually by forgiving his sins was much less dramatic. There wasn't any kind of physical manifestation or physical sign. In fact, the people were offended by it, saying, who are you to be forgiving sins? Only God can forgive sins. And in our mind, and in the minds of his four friends, what they really were after was the physical healing. Why did they come all the way? Why did they go up to the roof? Why did they lower him down? Why were they so persevering in order to get their friend into in front of Christ? It was because they wanted the physical healing. They didn't think about the spiritual healing, and they didn't necessarily think of the spiritual state of their friend. They, they thought more of the physical state. And this is what we do as well. A lot of times, we spend so much time focusing on our physical state, on our physical health, on our physical well-being, and we neglect the spiritual, because the physical sometimes seems much more urgent, much more important, much more manifest to us, maybe having much more of an impact on our lives than the spiritual. The spiritual seems hidden, the spiritual seems distant. We don't really know it, we can't really evaluate it, we don't know where we are, or, or, or what really is, the, is, is, is kind of a way to measure ourselves spiritually. So, I want to speak a little bit today about the spiritual paralysis. So well, this man was paralyzed physically, but we can think of what is the spiritual paralysis that God is going to come and to heal us from. The first type of spiritual paralysis that we can have is a person who is indifferent to God. In Zephaniah chapter 1 we read, And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish the men who are settled in complacency, who say in their heart, The Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. These complacent people, these self-satisfied people, are the ones that feel that they are not in need of anything. They're indifferent to God. Does God exist? Does God not exist? All of these questions, all of these debates is kind of pointless and there's really no point in arguing them. Um, they do not fear God. They do not see the work of God manifest in them. And maybe people at this level, they will believe that God exists at the level of the intellect, but they won't actually take any steps to follow him, to obey him. They do not experience him. They're not praying. They're not communicating with God. They do not acknowledge him. He's, com he's completely indifferent. The Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. The fact of whether God exists or not is kind of uh, unimportant, right? Some people who are deists, deists deism is a, is a, is a belief who, that people believe in God, but they believe that God is far away and distant and doesn't really have any connection with our lives. Right? They believe God is all-powerful, God is a creator, but God does not get involved. And so because God does not get involved with us, we really don't get involved with Him either. 
or we study him from a distance and we say, okay, well, yes, maybe God created the world, but it doesn't really have any bearing or impact on my day-to-day -day, uh, life. So we ask ourselves, do we remember God in everything that we do? Does what God wants matter to us? Does God care about us and do we care about him? We have to always re remind ourselves, um, again, if, if we don't believe that God is present and manifest with us, when we pray to him, we will find very, very little reason to pray. We will find very little reason to feel that we are actually talking to a person because we're indifferent to him. Where is he, who he is, we don't know. Another way that we can be spiritually paralyzed is by being lazy. In Proverbs chapter 6, it says, How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler, and your need like an armed man. The lazy spirit is the one that doesn't want to put any, any effort to reach God. It's the one that knows that God exists and that God is present, but we don't want to pray, we don't want to read, we don't want to go to church, we don't want to participate in the sacraments, we don't want to listen to sermons, we don't want to do anything. Or even when we do listen to sermons, even when we do read the Word of God, even when we hear positive messages and telling us what it is that we should do, we go out and we do nothing with it. We're, we're, we, it is too difficult for us to change our lifestyle. Even though we want to change, but we find it that it is too difficult to change and we really have no, um, no real compelling desire. We just kind of continue going with the flow. A lazy spirit maybe is someone who wants to go to church in the morning and every day, every Sunday says, I'm planning to go to church and yet every single Sunday finds a reason not to go. Maybe they, they sleep in late, they go to sleep uh, late on Saturday and so they find a reason not to go. And so this person maybe has good intentions, but they have no will. They have no will to do anything. This is another type of spiritual paralysis. A person who cannot overcome their desire for comfort. Whatever it is that I want is in the moment is whatever it is that I'm going to give myself. And I'm not going to push against my physical desires in order to try to do something greater, something spiritual. Another type of spiritual paralysis is a person who is stagnating and not growing. In Hebrews chapter 5, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. This category of people, this is the people that might attend church on a regular basis, and they might serve and attend Bible studies and hymns classes, but they've never really digested what the church is trying to teach, and they've never really lived according to the faith that they learn week after week. They don't have a private prayer life. They don't read the Word of God at home. Maybe they do a lot of things in the church, but when it comes to something that they do independently on their own as a personal practice, they find themselves lacking in this. They don't confess regularly. It's all maybe external things. And so we find ourselves, we don't grow in our faith. Maybe we grow in knowledge, but growing in knowledge is not the same thing as growing in faith. Growing in knowledge means I can read books, I can listen to sermons, but again, if I don't apply it personally in my life, then I'm not going to grow. If I don't test the things that I have learned with God and to, to begin to practice them, that I'm not going to grow. Okay, so this type of paralysis is someone who is literally unable to move. They are just stuck where they are. And this breeds frustration because as I feel that I'm supposed to be growing in God and I don't feel or recognize any growth in my life, then I begin to wonder what is the point of all the things that I do. For instance, when somebody fasts, 
If we have the mentality that I'm going to fast by doing the absolute minimum, the absolute minimum kind of fast. You know, the last week I was um, I was teaching the the fight program, the fight program at St. Mary's about it's a sexual sexual education program for for high school kids, and a lot of the questions and a lot of the things that people would say were kind of what is the minimum that I can do, or what is the most that I can do without getting in trouble. Or what is the least that I can do and still be good, right? And so that mentality of, of what is the extremes, what are the edges, you know, if all I care about is being technically legal in something, but what is the spirit of what God is teaching us, right? Maybe I'm not growing because I'm always doing the minimum. Like when I fast, I'm just thinking, well, what is the absolute minimum that I can do in my fasting? You know, one time I, uh, I was talking to someone, and she told me, she was so upset, and she came in and she said, well, I'm, why, I told her, why are you upset? She's like, I fasted today and I didn't realize it was a fast, it was non-fasting day. <laughs> and like, is that going to be something that's so upsetting? Because you fasted on a day that you weren't supposed to fast, right? Sometimes we feel like we want to do the absolute minimum, right? Just to say we check off a box and say, yes, I did it. But this is going to prevent us from growing, right? To grow, we have to do something according to the spirit according to a desire that these things God is asking us to do are actually good. And if we can even do more than the minimum, then we will be blessed even more. Right? We're not doing this, or we shouldn't be doing this because we're compelled to do it, because we're forced to do it. We should do it because we identify and acknowledge that this is the way of growth, that this is the way that we approach God and get closer to Him. Another type of spiritual paralysis is blindness. When, when St. Paul in 1 Corinthians, he speaks about three kinds of man. He speaks about the natural man. The natural man is the person who in the world, according to the world standard, we would consider to be a good, normal person. You know, a person who is polite, a person who, you know, is considerate, a person who um, lives according to the world standard of kindness, goodness, ethics, and so on. Then there is the man who is the carnal man. The carnal man is the person that even according to the world would consider them to be evil. A murderer, a rapist, a child molester, people who, you know, live according to their lusts. Okay, this is the carnal man. But then there's the spiritual man. The spiritual man is the one that lives above the world. The spiritual man, for instance, is the one that would strive to forgive his enemies. The world does not teach to forgive one's enemies. The world teaches to get revenge on your enemies. And even what we consider a good person in the world would not love their enemies and we would consider it acceptable and fine. But according to the command of God, the spiritual man, the Christian person, is called to love their enemies. This is the spiritual law that God has given us. Okay? This is an even higher standard. So what, is, what does St. Paul say about this? He says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. When we go try to explain to a person who is not a Christian why we live according to the strictness that we live by, why do we fast so much, why do we seek to forgive our enemies, why do we try to do these things that are difficult, when the world looks at us and sees that we are foolish and says, this, there's no benefit to this, there's no point to this, there's no purpose to this. Why, why are you doing it? It doesn't make any sense. Why? Because it says here, because these things are spiritually discerned. To those people who are not spiritual, it is foolishness. It doesn't make any sense. Okay? A person who walks by earthly wisdom cannot understand the heavenly wisdom. So God's commandments do not make any sense to them. And so they are blinded to God. 
They don't see God. They don't understand the commandments of God. Uh, St. Peter says in Second Peter verse 1, For he who lacks these things, re- referring to virtues, is short-sighted even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Right? The, the spiritually blind person does not understand the law of God. The spiritually blind person does not love the law of God, and again sees the laws of God as, as a burden. And they don't understand the purpose of them and they don't enjoy them. They don't struggle to fulfill them. They see them as something, again, that we should be doing the minimum. What is the minimum that I can do? Also, the spiritually blind person does not understand himself or herself. This is actually the one of the most dangerous things about us is that we don't know ourselves. If I know myself, even if I have every sin and every you know problem and issue, I'm much, much better off than a person with less sin that doesn't know his sin. Why? Because when I know my sin, one, I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. I can try to avoid areas where I'm weak because I know myself. I don't assume that I'm strong in areas where I am weak. Also, when I know myself, I can confess my sin. I can go and I can offer confession saying, God, this is my weakness and this is how I have sinned. But if I do not know myself, then I cannot confess. Or a person who comes to confess and they say, I really don't have any sins. Or, you know, I'm pretty good. Or the only sin that I know about is just something like very small, right? I would encourage anyone to confess, even if it's a small sin. But sometimes people who come to confess small things have much, much bigger things that they don't see because they are what? They are spiritually blind. This is a type of paralysis. A person who is unable to see themselves, who is unable to see the law of God, who is unable to see the goodness of God and how much God actually loves us and has mercy on us, so that when we (coughs) offer our confession to Him, we know that He accepts us and He forgives us. (coughs) Another type of spiritual paralysis is stubbornness. When St. Stephen was speaking to the Pharisees, he says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Uh, As your fathers did, so do you. So as St. Stephen was speaking to the Pharisees, and he, he gave them this long sermon, at the end of this, they decided to stone him. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. They didn't want to accept the criticism that he had of them. And, and that this was accurate in referring to them. Sometimes when we are rebuked for whatever reason, we are unresponsive to this rebuke. And instead of taking it in a positive way, instead of considering maybe actually what this person is saying about me is true, instead we get on the defensive and we don't want to accept that maybe I am actually weak in this area or maybe I deserve the criticism that I'm getting. And instead of you know trying to grow with this, we begin to hate those people who are criticizing us. Okay, so God, when we ask, why isn't it that God speaks to me more? You know, why can I not discern the voice of God? Why can't I hear Him speaking? We have to ask ourselves, maybe if I actually heard God speaking to me, I wouldn't like what He had to say. Maybe I wouldn't accept what He had to say if He tells me what, what actually I need to hear, right? So maybe God is knocking, He's trying to open, He wants us to open for Him, and yet we are stubborn. We, we are set in our ways. We don't want to believe that we are mistaken. We don't want to believe that anything that we have been so used to doing for our entire lives could be wrong, right? And so we get very defensive maybe when anyone can, rebukes us or tells us that we are doing something wrong. The last type of uh, par- paralyzed uh, characteristic of a paralyzed spirit they want to discuss is someone who is unstable. In James 1 verse 8, it says, He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. 
Okay, this unstable person doesn't have a firm foundation of the faith and is easily swayed by every wind of doctrine. I go and I watch some sermon somewhere on TV and I like what it is that I hear and so I begin to believe this. And then I go somewhere else and I hear something else and I begin to believe that. Or I come to the church and I begin to believe that. And I start to believe everything. And, 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 and what I believe is based on how I feel toward it. Not about whether it's true. Not, not, I don't compare these things to the scripture and say, well, what is it that God has said? Right? Has God said this or did he not say this? The world is full of tons of deception. There's so much deception. And so many people that want us to buy into whatever it is that they're saying. Actually, that's what advertising is in a sense. Advertising is people who are wanting to push their thoughts into our heads and convince us that whatever it is that they're saying is true. Now, some of it is harmless, but a lot of it is not. A lot of it is people are pushing a certain impressions of God, for instance, that are untrue. Like the prosperity gospel theology, for instance. That there is a group of people that want us to believe that God is going to bless us with financial wealth if we are good believers. Right? This is a poison. This is a poison. Because when I, when I am a believer and I don't receive these kinds of blessings, then I begin to doubt God's goodness or God's existence. Right? When I begin to believe what? that God is not going to be a judge, that God, there is no judgment, that I can do anything and that in the end I am not accountable to anyone. This again is a poison. Right? Maybe it sounds good, maybe we want to believe that this is true, but it's poison, it it's contradicts what, what, what the Bible says, it contradicts what God has told us. Right? So the idea that we have a foundation of our faith, this is very important. We have to have a foundation of what we believe. I don't just believe everything because it feels good to me, right? I have to go back to a source, to a reference. What is it that is going to be the source of my uh, understanding of God is the scripture, right? Also, when I speak about the character of God, how is it that I truly know God beyond the scripture? It's to pray to God. It's to have a relationship with God. It's to communicate with God. If I'm not doing this, again, I have no foundation in who God is for me to judge. When people are telling me things about God, is this true or is it false? I don't know. Am I going to only depend on what other people tell me or my own personal experience with God as well? So this is another type of paralysis. So these different types of paralysis we've talked about. The first one was um, being indifferent to God. Always feeling that God doesn't matter to me one way or the other. Laziness. Maybe I know what it is that I should do and I want to do it, but I put no effort to try to do it. Uh, the third one is not growing. I'm stagnant. I'm just staying where I am. I'm not trying to increase. I'm not trying to struggle more. I'm not trying to increase from where I am to read more. I'm just self-satisfied where I am now. Um, the fourth uh, type of paralysis is blindness. I don't understand God. I don't see God. I don't see God's commandments as good. I don't see myself. I don't see anything except what is immediately in front of me in the physical world. But I don't see anything spiritually. Uh, the fifth type of paralysis is stubbornness. That even when I am rebuked and when I am confronted with the truth, I don't want to accept it. And finally, the sixth type of paralysis is being unstable. That I don't know my foundation. I don't know what I believe because my faith is not built on any kind of um, firm foundation. So in conclusion, Second, second Peter, he says, uh, St. Peter says in Second Peter first one, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Who is it that has given to us all things that pertain to life and godless? It's him, it's God, right? So it is through him that we are renewed, it is through him that we are given glory, it is through him that we are given virtue. 
God is the one who can heal our spiritual paralysis. God is the one who can open our eyes to see ourselves clearly as we are, to give us a desire to work, a desire to struggle spiritually, can make us aware of his presence and not indifferent to him. He can f heal our physical diseases, yes, but what is even more than important than healing our physical diseases is healing our spiritual diseases. Just as he did with this paralyzed man that came to him and he told him, your sins are forgiven before he healed him and allowed him to walk. And glory be to God forever. Amen.